repeat the rock and roll podcast. Check out this record. My name is Mark, and with me as always is my good buddy Frank. Hey, Mark. Tikanis. Still don't know what that means. Listeners who've been playing along at home know you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and maybe somewhere else where you find podcasts. <laughs> That's right. Now, new episodes drop to your ears and mine every Friday. And of course, they're for your listening pleasure. For our new listeners to the podcast, this is where Frank and I recommend albums to each other to review. We have a wide variety of musical discussions, like our Spotlight series, where we dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out on the other side. That's right. Or in our Versus series, we pit two albums, sometimes three, against each other to duke it out for total stereo domination. That was good, buddy. We really nailed that. Yeah, man. I'm getting there. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and our Facebook group. We like to drop some additional content and hopefully leaving one more of Frank's uh, musical goodness and my random and not so random nonsense. If you've got a record you want us to check out, be sure to drop us a comment wherever you find us. We'll, uh, excuse me, while you're at it, like, subscribe, and give us a review and a rating, uh, you know, while you're at it, you know, whatever, five stars, four stars, 11 hearts, I don't know, however links went in Zelda these days. So I say this, Frank. Yes. How are you, my man? Man, I am good. I'm happy to be here in this moment right now. There's no tomorrow. Right now. Come on, it's everything. Right now. It's your magic moment. Do it right here and now because it means everything. Oh, it sure does. <laughs> so if you've been listening, you know that we've been talking about family bands kind of a lot lately. We didn't do yes. it on purpose, that's for sure. Um no. You know, from Frank's Oasis playlist uh, episode where we discuss the wacky things that they say to people uh, for no reason other than that they're maniacs, to our Interrupters episode, which we just did recently after the recommendation from Ross of the Cold Years. Um, you know, and on that episode, we did a list of our favorite family bands. Be sure to check it out. Yes. So tonight, we've got another family band, the Avent Brothers. Yes. But before we, uh, we do that, we wanted to talk about uh, excuse me. We wanted to take a moment, just a moment. <laughs> I'm sorry, Frank's, Frank's making me giggle. If you're if you're not watching this on YouTube, you're missing <laughs> all the pranks. Uh, we want to pay tribute to one of the most iconic rock and roll brothers ever, Eddie and Alex Van Halen. Uh, of course, Eddie's passing uh, this yes. last week. So, like most conversations about the band uh, and the brothers themselves, we're going to talk about. Right. Uh, what actually mattered, uh, and we're going to do a top ten list. Uh, of top ten. List. Yep. Alex is there, but nobody really cares. He can be replaced without a problem. So uh, <laughs> this is our top ten list of Eddie Van Halen's most righteous jams, according to us. Uh, yes. And if you don't like it, you know, write me an email. Yeah, make your own list. Frank, why don't you kick us off with uh, your first pick on the righteous Eddie Van Halen jams list, according to us? Yeah, so this is um, Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do from the album Most Don't Like, 1995's Balance, and the last of the Hagar-era albums. Uh, this song, to me, is one of the few bright spots on that album. Super heavy and chunky guitars. Um, I know we're talking about Eddie, but Sammy's voice reaches several stratosphere levels here. Um, but it's not about him, like I said. It's about that steady, clean, but 
sometimes distorted in a shiny way guitar that just drives home this song. Uh, it, you know, it's a, I think it's a deep track uh, for the Van Halen, uh, especially during the Hagar era. So don't tell me what love can do from 1995's Balance. Yeah, like most tracks off of Balance, it's a deep track. It's a deep track, there you <laughs> go. My pick uh, is going to be <laughs> Atomic Punk from Van Halen 1. Uh, showcase Eddie's ability to riff like no one else, but also yeah. put a band on a post-apocalyptic wave. They would uh, have gone, excuse me, they could have gone down, uh, but chosen said to showcase uh, what they can do and did very well. Um, it's an underrated gem off their first record. Um, that doesn't get enough credit it deserves because uh, there's too many people just talking about eruption and not paying attention to the rest of the album. It's a great yeah. track, great song. Um, it shows that if, if they really wanted to do a concept album, they had the tone and the, the musical ability to have gone in that direction, but they kind of kept on like, you know, that Van Halen, it's, it's, it's rock, it's hard rock, it's kind of poppy. And they never really like no no one album is like a thing. Yeah, that just came to me about Van Halen. Sure, it's true. What's your next, what's your next song? <laughs> and this song has punk in it too, so it makes it even that much better. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah, um, that's true though. Actually, now that you say it, and and here's a very inconsistent album. I think is uh, I have a song from the Diver Down album, and that song is Low Guitars. So there's the Low Guitars intro, and then obviously the song Low Guitars. Uh, Eddie here is doing a great flamenco opening uh, on the intro that leads into the main track. Um, in the intro, which is funny, Eddie says that he cheated because he didn't finger pick. Um, and if that's what cheating sounds like, well, yay, yay for, for cheating. But, um, you know, obviously he's he was paying tribute to all those famous flamenco guitar players, but in his own style with the pick. Uh, the intro, I think, is great um, for on that particular album which to me doesn't have a lot of cohesion on it because you got those covers of dancing in the street and Oh, pretty woman. Uh, this to me is like a kind of the lone standout original composition um, that that's of a good quality. So, so little guitars is the next one I have. What about you? Mark? My next choice of women and children first is loss of control. Loss of control. Uh, this is clearly the point in which uh, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera went, Wait, 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 wait. We can make this way heavier and super cool. Yeah. Killer riff, classic spastic energy that, that Van Halen album um, are, are just so known for. It's just so much cooler um, than what the, the hits alone would have suggested. Um, it's just such a cool track. Um, definitely a deep cut off the album, but like so well worth it. Definitely check out Loss of Control. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. That's an absolute great song too, and one of the the better the better of the the Roth era songs. Um, my next one is from the uh, Twister soundtrack, "Humans Being." Um, it's the last recorded song with Sammy, clocking in at five minutes, and it features those really classic uh, Eddie Van Halen techniques. The song's a showcase, really, for all that Eddie could do. Uh, but it's a super catchy number, I think. Um, you know, it's the last again recorded song with Sammy, and and they went out. I think with, with with really a bang. So humans being, and it's a super heavy song. I think for the time. Very cool. My um my next pick is uh, food related. Yes. It is pound cake. From that pound um, cake for unlawful carnal knowledge, which we all know stands for. Oh, oh that's what that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was my first like true introduction to Van Halen. Was this record, and and this is the opening track from it. When I was a kid, uh, 
I just loved it from the like the first like really I loved it from the sound of that like uh, the drill. Yes, um, yes. Um, I've got Eddie's signatures moves just like all over. He's just really, really just pushing like the opening of this record and just building it. And it's such a fun song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who would have known that uh, you know the next level would be packing? Fucking yeah. Eddie Van Halen did. Was like you want to ramp it up? Pound cake. Yeah. And, and that's early on a, you know, a kind of that song was a glimpse for me for kind of what got me more in, interested in Van Halen. And, and if you think about the record, too, I think it's totally under the radar because you, you get Judgment Day, you get um, Run Around, which I think Run Around is, a, is an absolute great tune, too. Uh, of course, you know, Top of the World and a couple others on there. I think Mark has an affinity for. So we'll get to those soon. Um uh-huh. My next is Mean Street from 1981's Fair Warning. The intro is what really, thats this is what I'm focusing on here. It's revolutionary for its use of harmonics. Uh, the locking tremolo, also known as the Floyd Rose, is used extensively and it leads right into the opening riff of the song. Brilliant. I mean, the song's great too, but that intro with the use of the harmonics, mwah, amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My next pick is uh, Running With The Devil. Yeah, it's uh, not just a smash hit on VH1. It's off of Van Halen's one. Uh, it's not only one of the best openings of an album and one hell of a statement for your first album. The riff is, is bright and driving. The yeah. solo is clean, so clean you could eat off it, Frank. That's how oh. clean this solo is. I really wanted to cliche it up for this one. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to know how they, they went from this as an opening track uh, and not into Eruption. Uh, I think it's a bold choice. I think Eruption would have been a really cool statement to make off the bat. But the yes. fact that they chose to start with this big driving number and then go into that, I think speaks to the guitar work and, and really what Eddie was able to bring to the table for this band to set up really opening track for your career, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I always I wondered about devil. that too. I'm like, why is it not Eruption and then running with the devil? You know? mm-hmm. um, but you know, obviously there was there was some intent behind that and it paid off it paid off for them um my my last one actually uh source of infection from ou812 uh i i know the sammy years were more pop hits i get it uh but this uh guitar work and the track shows that they could totally shred with hagar it's classic early uh van halen style that it, it just rips i've been listening to the song uh, on loop for the past week and source of infection is just a great song from ou812 I wonder what he ate that they named the album that. Um, right. Did he eat two of them? Perhaps it was pound cake. Um, <laughs> so the the last one, uh, we, we marked it down as number one, but obviously this list is just kind of how they come out. Um, from four, uh, for an unlawful carnal knowledge, man, words that start with F lined up in a sentence. Uh, I picked right now. Uh, you know, we get Eddie on both keys and guitar. Uh, it's it's probably my favorite Van Halen song ever, and it's 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 a perfect example of why Hagar was such a better frontman for the band. Yes. That aside, uh, sorry, um, Eddie's score is an epic tune. Like, not like he shoots these scores. Like this dude wrote an epic fucking tune, um, and this is it. Uh, you know immediately on the first listen how awesome it is. It's a perfect example of how truly talented he was, and not just. A guitarist, yep. but a songwriter and an overall musician. Yep. Um, just really phenomenal uh, song structure. I mean, the 
I, I know a lot of people are going to give me shit because he plays more piano than guitar in it. But the fact of the matter is, this song fucking rips, and it kind of is the perfect song for right now. I mean, and how? Just for people who maybe who weren't there at the time or who weren't you know a born or b into music, that song was the biggest thing ever. I mean, right? I mean, Pepsi was using it in their commercials. Was it? I, I recall vaguely some Olympic uh, usage of it for the Olympics, the Summer Olympics that were going on at the time. I mean, right now the song was everywhere. I mean, it was massive, mm-hmm. massive. Well, that was both fun and informative. Wouldn't you agree, Frank? Yes, Mark, absolutely. (laughs) Well, it's time for the main event, and that means it's time to talk about the Avett Brothers. For all intended purposes, the Avett Brothers are Seth and Scott Avett from Concord, North Carolina, but also include bassist Bob Crawford, who's actually playing on the record we'll be talking uh, about in really depth tonight, and Joe Kwan, I believe I pronounced that right, it's K-W-O-N, who... I believe he primarily plays fiddle, but when we saw them live, he played like a bunch of stuff. Yeah, totally. um, There are also additional players for when they're live because they do pull out a lot of uh, additional instruments, but we're going to stick with the core uh, recording group um, and as it were, the three fellows in the band tonight. Uh, now, Frank, you are directly responsible for introducing me to this group. Uh, Frank Thank you. literally said, hey, check out this record. Uh, and I was wondering <laughs> if you'd be so kind as to share how you found them and talk about uh, the band's kind of overall body of work before we dig into our little Gleam trilogy feature this evening. Yeah, absolutely. And I, we were check, we were doing the check out this record game well before the, the actual show, right? I mean, <laughs> and this is just an excuse for us to talk to each other. Yeah. First. Exactly. This goes back a while. So I remember one day I came home from work and my wife's like, have you heard of this band, the Avid Brothers? And of course I said no. Uh, she said she saw them actually on an episode of Ace of Cakes. And I thought uh, I would dig them and dig them I did. I mean, dig them I did. Yes, dig them I did. Now, listen, a lot of my <laughs> new acoustic folky knowledge uh, still had the foundation of punk singers who started playing acoustic guitars when they went off on their own um what, what was cool about this is this was folk but it was being played with the punk intensity at the time which i really really liked i just really liked how they how they handled those acoustic guitars you mix the banjo and just some great songwriting by both seth and scott and bam i i was hooked i immediately i immediately excuse me got the gleams which was two of those obviously out at the time uh, mignonette uh, emotionalism and i was absolutely in love with them i love and you also then recently came out after that and that really i know gave them a new audience that was their major label debut and produced by rick rubin uh, i then recall getting four thieves gone and of course really digging that as well so you had their live albums which were awesome then carpenter came out kind of fell a little flat for me and uh, i'm all for change in the direction but uh change was you know toned down sound and and that pop and energy, not pop and music, but that pop and the energy was was gone a little bit. Uh, the details in the lyrics weren't as present, and they were, you know, similar vibes. A lot of the songs had similar vibes. Uh, so three studio albums, right? Mark came. We had Magpie and the Dandelion, True Sadness, Closer Than Together, and I kind of lost touch until the third gleam. And working on this episode really has been a great way to dive back into the Ava Brothers. Yeah, I had a similar feeling this week, dip, dipping my toes back in, if you will, uh, to the catalog preparing for the show tonight. And they often, ref- they're, excuse me, they are often referred to as folk rock group, 
And, right. and I understand why people feel that way. Um, if you listen to a, a selected few records, particularly those those last three uh, LPs, yeah. but I think they do a great job of blurring the line between folk, country, Americana, and a little bit of rock and roll, Absolutely. while maintaining the integrity of uh, any American singer-songwriter, let's say last 25, 30 years. Um, the series, The Gleam, focuses the brothers' passion for simple folk-forward three-piece arrangements while acting as a platform for them to unburden them, their minds and hearts lyrically. You like that sentence I wrote? That was, I, I, that was an amazing sentence, by yeah, the way. Thank you. Uh, Frank, would you be so kind as to take a moment to run us through the, uh, the OG Gleam, The Gleam? Yeah, we're going to go through the OG Gleam, as Mark said, titled The Gleam. <laughs> so this is this first volume uh, of the more personal and lyrically driven style folk songs uh, to get a feel for what the Avett brothers were trying to achieve. Let's start with what the word gleam means. I think that's a great, great place to start. So it's defined as a noun, which is a faint or brief light or the verb version, which is shine brightly so with that said that is the concept that i am personally thinking of while listening to these gleams and in particular it started off with this first gleam uh it's the bright spot in these areas of life that we could try to find where there's maybe at the time maybe doesn't seem a lot of uh, brightness i think the first gleam has a great mix of both fun and serious songs they're well crafted with extreme focus on the guitar work and the lyrics that are threaded in these stories uh the theme that we will see with this series is the emphasis to me on the word folk here i mean this is what folk is right it's stories about people folks themes songs recurring themes struggles bright spots the bright spots is the gleam right the ap hits really some high points early on with tracks like when i drink and yard sale uh seth avitt really does a fantastic job of placing us in these moments uh, that these themes represent and when i drink he's fist fighting with the air but trying to be a little bit better even though it's a struggle uh the bouncy nature of that of the song the way that song is presented kind of gives you hope uh yard sale i mean places you really in the mind of these items and the narratives that go with each of them uh the details are great when he mentions the out of guitar uh gatoon i mean in the background you hear the guitar slightly going out of tune i think that was a fantastic touch now Seth's accomplishment don't doesn't mean that scott doesn't have his moments here on this gleam uh backwards in time add those rougher vocals with a harmonica to accompany the tune and then the popular if it's the beaches it's a really somber love tune uh where the escape with your love is the light that shines and you could just feel the passion and the importance of that so in closing uh, this is a spotlight on the brothers as narrative songwriters. And at the time, which was 2006 for the first gleam, uh, it was smart of them really to show their audience this. So uh, that's my take on the first gleam, Mark. What about you? Your quick thoughts on that. Yeah, very well said. You know, releasing uh, these tracks in particular after albums like the Con uh, Country Was, uh, a Carolina Jubilee, and yet it's a really smart move. Each of these records has its own a distinct voice uh, for the brothers to release, uh, you know, a pair, for, excuse me, for them to then release a paired back work record um, that really highlights the beauty and of simple arrangements, allowing them to push uh, the next album in whatever direction and not pigeonhole them in one style. I just thought it was such a beautiful idea and, yeah. and really just such gorgeous, well-written songs. It was really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into the Gleam Two First Blood. Um, <laughs> nice. 
Thank you. Um, so with that said, uh, the Gleam 2, which starts from a dark and sorrowful place with tear down this house and murder in the city, yet both songs have an air of hopefulness to them. The struggles with uh, competing parents' love, or competing for parents' love, excuse me, uh, yep. the loss of, uh, of their childhood home, and the fears of dying are, are laid bare for the listener to interpret really kind of in their own way of what's happening. Um, on the other side of the EP, you get tracks like St. Joseph and uh, Souls Like the Wheels featuring stunning guitar work as well as more of their signature uh, deceivingly simple lyric work uh, that reads like anyone could write them, but when sung over the this music prepared, uh, the, excuse me, the music they prepared, it absolutely just cuts the listener straight to the heart um, with their beautiful phrasing and content. I used to listen to this second record uh, at night when I went to sleep before working at a 4 a.m. warehouse job. I remember that. I had to yeah. go to bed at like I had to go to bed at like 7:30 p.m. And this record would just soothe me right down, no matter what was going on. Um, you know, Seth and Scott's hushed, hush singing and wavering voices were just incredibly soothing. And I know that sounds kind of weird. And I do have a little bit of an issue when it comes to tone and being right. able to differentiate their voices. Um, but this record is just such a beautiful, soft piece of work that it, it's just amazing. And I, I highly recommend if you're having a hard time getting to sleep, put the second Perfect. gleam on. It is gorgeous and you will you will drift away into a lovely uh, soundscape. Uh. So well said. And and I love the second gleam, you know, two of my favorite David brother tunes are on here uh, with murder in the city and Belladonna, uh, the light to be shown on such topics as death and memory. I, I think it's a great maturation from the first gleam. Um, and there is good and painful moments too. I, I think there are more finger picking moments on here too, which just adds even more to that aspect of folk. And it's a great compliment to the first gleam and extremely enjoyable. And I, I love listening to these two back to back. So I, yeah. I, I love, I love the second gleam. Absolutely. We, I think we probably been listening to them back to back for some time now. Um, totally. What Frank and I did for tonight was we put a little playlist together and, and please by all means do this at home. Um, just line up the three records and listen to them uh, through, um, you know, wherever you stream music and uh, Spotify, if you don't want to sponsor us so that we say your name next time, uh, please contact Frank. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they meant for us to do this, but the to, to make the three albums back to back to back. Right. But with clean songwriting uh, and honoring the series, you really feel like, with especially with this third one, that they really wanted to honor the first two gleams. Yes. Um, it works really seamlessly and, and pulls itself into a trilogy. Um, what do you say, Frank? We we jump right into the third gleam. Um, I can't think of a, a good hyphenated name for a, a part three of a movie, but uh, <laughs> the third gleam, uh, Frank, if you'd be so kind, um, as to yeah. let me kick it off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we did things a little bit different, so instead of both yeah. commenting on the tracks, because we also took the yeah, I, I reviewed uh, Gleam One, Mark reviewed Gleam Two, so we're gonna uh each focus on a certain track, but yeah, kick us off with a uh, victory mark, which is a great, a great song. Thank you. I, I believe I will victory. I was uh, happy to see uh, this pickup from a dark place. The brothers often start in because we know that they're looking 
um, out to the sun. You know that they're in a dark place, but the gleam, yes, if you will, is um, is what they're striving for. Is that bright spot? And it was great to see them start there with this record again. Um, Victory is a beautiful lament that reminds us something you can do, uh, excuse me, sometimes you can do your best and still lose. From victory, I accept defeat. Love that line. Uh, so simple, but the weight of each word doubled by their delivery. Just really fantastic. This is how the record uh, has to start, I think, for it to be part of this series, for it to be a gleam from the Avett Brothers. This song, uh, it feels like it's always been there. Yeah. Fantastic song. Uh, really just good song. And that line from Victory, I Accept Defeat. I mean, what else can you say? And the second track, I really fell in love with too. I should have spent the day with my family. I mean, the light guitar strumming and the banjo are totally welcomed here. Uh, Seth David does a great job of this commentary narrative. He's turning on his phone and seeing the news and the tragic na nature, which is in this case uh, a school shooting, and how that affected him because the child, as he said, looked like his. I mean, serious content here. And you know it's not a made-up character as he mentions his wife by real name and their son by real name. So you know, this is as real as real gets. Uh, and the light and the bad moment comes in that he should have spent the day, you know, with his family. It's something I often think of when outside shit is happening. And because, you know, a, a place where I feel complete is with my family. So lots of relatable scenarios here as it culminates with Seth and his wife having a drink and talking about a future and how to deal with it, especially raising children. Again, for me particularly, uh, such a relatable uh, aspect to it. It carries that theme as folk songs do. So it's a recurring theme. And I really enjoyed this tune. So I should have spent the day with my family. I thought was super well done. Yeah. So track three, we get prison to heaven. That's a good um, song. I love when Seth and Scott sing together. That is when they're they're singing the same words at the same time over the record. It really, really is just a very cool effect. Um, and I love that they do that here. Um, this song, we hear them singing from the point of view of a prisoner uh, whose only escape from his bondage uh, will be his death and yep. the conversations uh, he needs to have with himself to get to where he'd like to be. Uh, in this case, it's heaven. Um, going as far as to ask God for directions home. Uh, it speaks to something I've been working through lately, understanding how we, how what we believe affects the world we create around ourselves. Um, perhaps not as directly as speaking to God, but understanding the repercussions of our own choices. Really beautifully done. The song is, as I said, the, the brothers singing together. Um, working through their strides. They even refer to themselves as Mr. Avid. Yes, yeah, so um, cool. It, it's really a cool song. It, it does tend to sound like they're almost rapping the way they sing together because the words are so quickly paced. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a really beautiful song. And, the, you know, the conversation with St. Peter and understanding your place because of the choices you made is such an important thing right now. Right now. Right now. Um, that you know prison to heaven really i mean just spoke to me beautifully yeah, I, I love the way they're both complimenting each other. Uh, there's a cool live uh, YouTube video of, of them doing it. Um, you could you could hear even Scott change his voice up a little bit from the, the scruffier sounding voice to a, to a higher pitch voice and Seth kind of singing on top of it, which is great. Um, and like you said, they're kind of rapping it too. So just well, well done. It's a standout track for sure. And, and 
when we were going through this and Mark's like, you want the odds or the evens to go ahead and review. I was like, Oh, I kind of want the uh, evens because prison to heaven is absolutely amazing, but I was, or I kind of want the odds, but then I, I selected the evens because of this mm-hmm. next song back into the light. So one of the reasons why I picked even numbers was because the first line in the song where Scott sings, all of these fathers with their bald spots pulled to the car line, dropping their kids off. All right. So no, no surprise here. Right. I mean, <laughs> I just took off my hat there so you could see the bald spots. But yeah, so that's me, right? Uh, I mean, if that's not me in a nutshell, I don't know what is. Sometimes I don't see love in anything. I love that line. Another great struggle that modern folks kind of deal with. And again, making this song super relatable for everyone uh, at the point of really feeling low. And then you're still able to step into the light. And therefore, we have our gleam. So uh, Back Into the Light, I, I think, is another a great song. And I hear these two back-to-back. It's just, I mean, it's it's gold to my ears. So, Mark, why don't you talk about the next song? Because it's an, another great song, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, that song and this song, and, and really this whole record, whole record has done a great job of really showcasing beautiful, simple, lyrical work and the emphasis on delivery and song structure is, is just phenomenal. Uh, track five is called Woman Like You. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish my wife understood that I feel this way about her. Like, right. and, and I wish I could construct a song like this for her. Uh, I won't get all mushy here, but if I could write this, I, I, I absolutely would. And this is where the brothers show, um, excuse me for that little whistle there, um, they show their absolute talent when it comes to songwriting and, and, and song structure. Um, I just wanted to, I'm going to do a little bit of the lyrics. I promise I won't sing and, and ruin your eardrums for the rest of your lives. Um, but lyrics like this, uh, I thought they didn't make women like you anymore. All the princesses are such a bore. You're a queen and you're the girl next door. I thought they didn't make women like you anymore. Oh, I love it. You know how men think. We rarely move past appraising a woman's appearance. Well, judge as we may, we dig our own graves. Still, I think it's all right to say this. Oh, you look good in a t-shirt, all stars in jeans. Look good all done up in makeup and bling. Look good in pajamas and sharp tailored suits. Look good in dresses and cowboy boots. Um, I thought they didn't make women like you anymore. Passion for days, compassion galore. I'm amazed and grateful to God and your mother for women like you. So again, simple, simple lyrics, really yes. beautiful um, lines that that any one of us who's just trying to write down an idea, you, you feel like you write lines like these and you just don't know where they go or what they do. And, and the, the brothers here have done just a phenomenal job of laying their heart out yeah and trusting that that emotion will carry the song and it 100 percent does yeah and don't get caught up uh, anyone just hearing that and not hearing the music don't think for a minute that oh this is just some you know corny rhyme structure or anything of that nature because when placed with the music and the way that seth is singing this it is it's it's not some bon jovi tune that's all i gotta tell you it is it is done masterfully well so yeah I, i failed high school poetry club so so don't blame my reading it's, <laughs> it's um it's, it's just really well put together and it, to music it's not quite so rhymey and sing-songy it, it, yeah 
So I just wanted to preface that because it, it. it really is a beautiful song. If I, if I could write that and hand mm. that to somebody, yeah, my beautiful. God. Beautiful. Yep. Now, do you think Bon Jovi failed poetry? Because I kind of oh, think one hundred percent. Love it, love it. All right, so yeah, so <laughs> number the sixth track is Untitled Number Four. Uh, sometimes we were happier with nothing or not much, and that's what this song is saying here. It's interesting as these songs are really talking to me, as lots of the David songs are, um, and. You know, maybe because we're all in the same age ranges and everyone starts kind of thinking of the same things. I don't know. Listen, it's getting to the point where you find the golden nature and what you have. It's not about being someone else or wanting their life. It's about being happy, not content, but happy with the life uh, and what you built. And it's hard for a lot of people to, to reside in that fact and accept because most of our nature, it's always uh, to fight or always feel like there has to be uh, something wrong, but this kind of takes it a step back and uh, really uh, just uncovers a lot of truths in there too and i think scott does a great job with this so untitled number four that's the next that's the that's this song and it's great yeah but before i get into the the next track um sure what's amazing to me is i really felt like untitled track number four was probably the weakest song on the on the ep yeah i could see that it's still hands down a, a mile better than 90% of the Right, but it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely insane how good uh, this record is. And, and that song, I don't want people to think I'm just shitting on that song. It, it, it's no. a song. It just, just adds perspective for this record. Right. It shows you how good the rest of the songs are when that is, I mean, if that's the weakest. <laughs> yeah. So uh, track number seven, I go to my heart. I mean, this yep. is really classic Avid Brothers. I think, this may originally have been um, where the gleam was meant to end. Um, yeah, I could see that. This gleam was meant to end, um, but it isn't. And, and honestly, it's okay because the next track, The Fire, Frank will tell you about, is, is really stunning. Um, I think the phrase, um, how do I stop this outro that I'm heading for, was, was kind of that clue that this may have been originally meant to be the last track. Um, that said, it, it isn't. So I'll just uh, actually talk about the song now. The song is about, uh, losing your identity in your work and folly and returning home to find you're not the man uh, you were meant to be. So you right. turn to the promises you made to yourself and you focus on how to keep them um, and, and, and looking in and looking at your heart for that. Uh, again, just simple, um, sad, beautiful. I, I'd love to be able to line up words so profound and so right. about my own life. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting how these guys are able to take the darkness of the world and find a gleam in so many places. And, and typically with them, what they love to do is, is turn inward. Um, there is a bit of spirituality with them, spirituality with them. Um, you know, as, as a pretty open atheist, um, it's not typically something I look for, but I appreciate the way they apply their spirituality to their art and how they express themselves and how they're not hindered by it. They simply, no. it is who they are and it, it comes out in their work. And I go to my heart is a, is a phenomenal example yeah. of being true to yourself and being able to put that into words and song. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And what's cool about the way they do stuff like that with the spirituality or however, you know, people want to coin it too. It's think you'll find the commonality that they have the same questions as us all, no matter right what it is, which is, which is really cool. And that introspective aspect, that's 
I think where it becomes relatable for, for all of us. Um, because th- what happens is we listen to these songs, then we go throughout our day and then we start, we start wondering about the things that they're wondering about. Right. So it's so crazy. And that could have been, like you said, the, the last, the last song. And it would have made sense because most of the gleams before the first one was six and the second one, I know it had that electric track on it, uh, but it could, I think seven to eight songs too. So, I mean, it, the, this could have been the last one, but the last one is actually the fire. Right. And it's a six minute, really impactful song. Um, it, it I think this this could have been potentially a poem that, that was just converted to a folk song. It has a similar vibe as Ballad of Love and Hate from their album Emotionalism. Um, we, we get here many characters. We get the young child, the life sentence inmate, the young woman, the preacher, a woman of 90 years old, someone he cares for. It's really brilliantly done when they've described and then asked what did they see in the fire. The young child sees possibilities and their potential and life obstacles. The inmate sees the path that led them to where they currently are. The young woman sees herself as not being physically attractive. The preacher sees confusion and loss and the inability uh, to explain certain tragedies. The woman of 90 sees loss of her husband who has passed and recalls how in love they were. The person he cares for sees what they've done to people. I mean, this is really, to me, high level intellectual writing here the what do you see in the fire is even done in a varied way so it's not sung the same way each time the fire again in this case it, it, it could be the gleam right i'm starting to think that the light uh that it has to be positive all the time but but maybe you know the, the fire also represents the, the negative sides of it too and and that has that emulates a brightness uh each character has their own realizations uh which again which can be light but clumped together it's it's a fire uh so well done here i mean i i don't mind the song being this long when there's great detail and strong quality lyrics here uh, i i can't tell you how much i love it but i think i just did yeah i, I think you did a great job buddy and i think you know, it was interesting to me, and I, I was wondering if you would catch this. The, the fire itself felt a lot like the accumulation of every track on the song. Yeah. Really, really just coming full circle with that, uh, which is a thing I think the brothers have, have done very well across many of their albums. Yeah. Um, and, and leaving them in a way that the listener can kind of come to a lot of their own conclusions about the characters and, and what the brothers are trying to say. Um, couldn't agree with you more, buddy. Thank you, man. Um, so uh, Seth and Scott Avett have kept true to the gleam uh, and, ex- and expanded it as uh, only they could. I really yes. tried to use expand there. I don't know that it came out right. I, um, I, liked, I liked the way you said it. So Thanks, buddy. Um, I hope this return to form uh, will cross over to whatever their next full band, full legs release is. Uh, what says you, brother uh, Frank? Yeah, I feel this is a great return to form. Uh, I question, to be honest with you, if they had it in them based on their last few releases and how flat they fell uh, for me. Um, now, after the third gleam, they could go back to what they were doing with Rick Rubin if they really wanted to. I mean, listen, it's great to hear that they could still pull off these narrative folk songs. I like how each of the gleams, I like the order that they came out. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to rank them here because I, I just like them how they are from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's you see the same style of songs, but they grow and they mature. So from first gleam to the second gleam, now to third, you get such a maturation, which is great. Uh, so I like them each in their own right. Uh, I was really surprised by the quality of their songs, and I hope this continues every so often because I like this in, intimate showcase uh, of the brothers and kind of what they're currently going through. And we also grow with them too. So uh, I had a great time listening to this, and uh, pretty much need to 
pick up that vinyl, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it. I uh, I had considered the possibility of picking up uh, some of these gleams on on the wax uh, and seeing what it does. I hate saying the wax. I feel like such a dork when I do that. Dork. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I am very excited about next week's episode, Frank. Dork. Only, no, sorry. <laughs> not only is it a very special Halloween episode. It is. But it's also a very special birthday episode. Wow, someone's got a birthday. <laughs> and a very special record release episode. That's right. Oh my gosh, should I tell everyone what we're doing here? I mean, let's just talk about the record. Okay, all right. <laughs> so the boss, he's got a new album coming out. It's called <laughs> Letters to You. Not to you, Mark. But or to not you. to me. Yeah, or not to you. <laughs> so they're to you. Maybe it's to me. Okay. We have to but find out who this who this you is. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, me and Mark are big for Springsteen fans, and uh, we're also though not afraid to say when you know some of the moments are are not that great. I'm not saying that this album is going to represent that, right? Exactly. Not going to say uh, this album is going to represent that, but we want to give it a thorough listening. Uh, I I heard some of these tracks are actually from the greetings from Asbury Park days, which is interesting, and I know Mark brought that up as a interesting way to kind of market it like why does that have to be uh said at all um mm -hmm. but we're gonna find out so we're gonna go ahead we're gonna talk things boss we're gonna have a cool top list of the boss uh we're gonna get into letters to you and uh i'm i'm excited for it mark what about you i'm very excited you know um i was a little worried that we couldn't really do justice and then i was like well we did a we did a bob dylan record we can do fucking spring oh we could do this um, and I've been I've been listening to his autobiography. Uh, oh yeah, so that's I right. Be, I, I I should be a, a fistful of fucking nerd shit next week uh, when it comes to the old boss man. But uh, it should be a great time. We're really looking forward to it. Um, so the album will come out today. If you're listening to this on the day it was released, that is correct. That is the podcast, and we will review it for you one week later. Gives us a, a minute to to get in there. So while you have some free time, go back and listen to The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street. Oh. Uh, uh, shuffle. Yeah. Shuffle. Yeah, go, go back and listen to that record because that's, I think right now, that's my favorite record. Oh, it's so good. I mean, you got Kitty's Back. Yeah. You got New York Serenade. Of course, Rosalita. Um, oh, my God. That, that album is so good. So, Wild I mean, Bill's so Circus. Yeah. Um, and listen to the new record. And then, because we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it, that. too. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I actually want? <laughs> Scally. And you know what's a good one to go back to? Also, yeah. my favorite, the most recent release, this is Magic from 2007. Ooh, yeah. I do like Magic. I, I still think that's my favorite of the most recent releases. Listen, everyone, I, I get it, right? Uh, some people have a hard time saying when he releases something that it could be potentially not good. Western Stars, for example. Um that wasn't good. I'm sorry. That just wasn't good. I mean, Mark and I fell asleep constantly trying to listen to it. And it's not because we're, yeah. we're overly tired. <laughs> My head on his shoulder every time. Yeah. 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 Uh, we're safe to say there are clunkers and you're going to have clunkers in the releases. And, yeah. um, but go back and listen to some of those classics. Obviously people's go-to is born to run and uh, born in the USA, but you know, wild and innocent East street shuffle 2007's magic. Goes to Tom Jode. Goes to Tom Jode. Um, you know, one of Frank's personal favorites, uh, Nebraska. Darkness Nebraska, on the Edge of Town. Darkness on the Edge of Town, which I don't think gets enough enough credit. 
absolutely. Springsteen's really an interesting guy, especially for guys like us, right? Yeah. Because if you look at that kind of punk ethos of the 70s were garbage and no good music came out of it until 77 when the Ramones and the Clash hit. Right. And they're not wrong, but that's not to say that there wasn't a ton of great music being made in the 70s. And, and Springsteen's a great example of a songwriter that was ahead of his time and, and couldn't find an audience and a voice. And those early records are really represent, uh, representative of that. Totally. Um, so check out The Boss. He's, he's got a great body of work. Yes, he's got some failures, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit of it. Uh, well, you know, if you really want to get into wrecking ball, we can get into wrecking ball. Uh, <laughs> we can do that. I, I don't want to, but we're, we're going to talk about a bunch of Bruce stuff. It'll be a good time. He is yep. definitely, um, you know, listen, if, you, if you're willing to listen to us talk about Ava Brothers, trust us. Go listen to some Springsteen. You'll, you'll be well happy you did. I agree. I agree. Well, Mark. I like that. Hey, we're just killing time now. We are, we are. So it's that time of the episode where everyone, you know, where to follow us, right? Mark, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, drop us a line. Let us know what records you rate have. Review. That's right, rate and review. Yeah. I believe uh, I send them off this time, Mark. So anything else you want to say? Well, listen, um, we've got most of the schedule prepared for the rest of the year, right? We know most of what the albums we're going to talk about, like ninety nine percent, right, Frank? Yeah, ninety nine percent. If you want to request the first album for us to review in 2021, which couldn't be a worse year than 2020, get us a comment. <laughs> Tell us what you want us to listen to. We want to listen as much as this is us telling you what records to listen to. This is you telling us what records to listen to. So, Frank. Yep. Bye bye.